Good evening, boys and girls. Welcome to another live edition of the Highbury Squad. It's the seasoned, season end review. Apologies for um, being a few minutes late. We have a bit of a technical issue this evening, but hopefully uh, it will not ruin your enjoyment of the show. Let's go. Mind the gap between the train and the platform. Please stand clear of the discussion doors. The next stop is Highbury Squad. Depending on how you look at it, the dream for this is over, but we are back in Europe. We are going to take a look at the season in a little bit more depth, hand out some accolades. In the meantime, welcome back to the show, my podcast brother from another mother, Mr. Super Kev, Super Kevin Campbell. Hello, squaddies. At ease, squaddies. Let's get into it, eh? No messing. Come on. Okay, so you guys will have to bear with us a little bit tonight. There is a bit of a technical issue in terms of um, hopefully you can hear us. Let us know. Good evening to all of you in chat for joining us this evening. The usual suspects are in the house. And it's great to see you all and your names pop up. Uh, Kev, how's your weekend been? Yeah, it was all right. I had a, had a busy weekend. Uh, I was working all weekend. And then I got to the Emirates after work to enjoy a game. My first game at the Emirates for a while where I went as a fan. So it was good. I popped into the um, to the pub, to Tolly, saw Dapper Dan. Um, and, and some of the boys there saw Guna Ross in there, saw Magic Mike and his lovely daughter, etc. Bumped into quite a few people, and um, loads of it, it was it was it was a carnival atmosphere. I've got to say, the Evertonians who were there were just—I think they were there for the beer. If I'm honest with you, after that Thursday <laughs> Thursday evening, you know, so it was a it was a good feeling around the Emirates, and um, I was privileged Sophie to spend the game with my mate Jason who watches this who's a great lad Jason Lavelle's son Kieran and Frank McClintock oh I love Frank and um you know we were and the, uh, my guest on the day was Paul Smith who played in the youth team who we're going to try and get on um hopefully next season at some stage inside the dressing room, who is one year behind Rocky and Mickey Thomas and all them guys. In that picture, when I was 15, he was in there. He's the same year as Merce. Comes from West London like Merce does. So he'll have 150 stories that the squaddies have never heard. I love it. I can't wait for that, Kev. And uh, lots more uh, great content that's going to come to you next season. We know that things this season didn't quite end up the way that we wanted. The improbable opportunity escaped us, unfortunately. Um, but we are back in Europe. And I wanted to ask you, Kev, because even myself and Magic Mike were going at it a little bit on Twitter earlier um, regarding a few comments. One of the things that has... Because I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you too. What's bothered you the most this season? 
Um, and I want to start there just to get that out of the way before we get into some of the wards for the players and the squaddies. Um, what's bothered me this season is that we've pointed the finger at each other a little bit, not you and I in particular, but the Arsenal universe, the Arsenal fan base, and just not been able to accept each other's opinions. And I'm not sure, I'm not quite sure how and when it got so polarizing. And I feel maybe it has been since the end of the Wenger era, maybe even through a little of Emery. But since Arteta's become the boss, I would say that the fan base, even though it's been united in many ways, uh, home and away, and also from an international perspective, the support that the players get, there is a component and an element where if you have a differing opinion, um, it's perhaps not as accepted. Like we can't talk to each other like we used to. What, what's your take on that, Kev, in terms of what you've seen this season? It's not, I don't think it's just this season. I think it's been there pre-Venger leaving, um, if I'm honest with you, because, you know, there was toxicity there when Wenger was, was in charge at the end, let's be honest. And there was people's opinions who didn't quite, you know, marry up. And, you know, there were people fighting in the stand. There were people arguing outside. There were people arguing in their own home, Sophie. So, again, I think the fan base has been a lot more together this season, which is quite weird. I think COVID hasn't been kind because, you know, sometimes when you go to the games, and you could discuss things with your friends in the in the boozer and stuff. That gets rid of a lot of the crap. But when you're watching it from home, and your only way to vent is online, it's easy to to to, to get caught up in it. So you know, is it disappointing? Yeah, it is, I suppose. But everybody has an opinion, and you know what? Everybody's opinion is theirs. So again. I've been called deluded. I've been called crazy. I've been called Arteta's lawyer. I've been called all sorts. It's all right. I don't mind it. Yeah. But, you know, I don't mind because at the end of the day, you've got your opinion. I've got my opinion. And that's how, that's how football always is and always will be. Yeah. And you and I are accepting of each other's opinions, even though they've differed a lot this season and we can go at it and, you know, come through it with a, a ton of respect that we have for each other. Mm. I think Colin just put it well. And, and MK, um, who's in the house too, was saying it's not an Arsenal issue. It's a social media issue. And I think that there's a lot to do with kind of the societal part of stuff, you know, even through politics, pop culture, it's spilled over into sports, Kev. And, you know, if you lean one way, you're toxic. If you lean another way, you're deluded. If you lean this and this way. And unfortunately, you know, part of that is a mirroring society, isn't it? And what's going mm. on on social media as well. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you, you could, you look at all those things that you've mentioned and it is the way it's been going. And we don't want it to go that way. We want to be able to say our piece and at the end of the day, still support the club to the fullest. That's the key, isn't it? Because the one constant we have is the football club, Sophie. And right. you could you could look at it negatively or you could look at it positively. It's your choice. I choose to look at it positively. Some choose to look at it negatively. 
Hey, but hey, hold. It's 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 a choice. Yeah, and maybe it's not looking at it negatively. Maybe it's just looking at it with a expectations. I expect more from our club. I expect more from the Arsenal. And I think that comes a little bit from our history, Kev, and the experiences we've had. It's uh, I've likened this before on the show to once you stay at the Four Seasons, it's really hard to stay at the Roadside Motel. And currently... You know, we're the team that has been living it up champagne style at the Four Seasons. And now, in some regard, uh, you know, for the for the last few, we've been regarded as the roadside motel team. We're back in Europe. We're back in Europa League. It's an opportunity to get back into Champions League. As disappointing as it is, I said, um, Kev, would, it, would the pill be so bitter if it wasn't that lot down the road, would the pill have been as bitter if Manchester United had finished in fourth? I I don't think it would, even though the pill is still very bitter and I'm not making any excuses for the fact that we have, you know, fluffed our lines. But is it not fair to say that it just hurts so much more because it's that lot? 100%. Hey, come on, self. 100%. It is, of course, it hurts more that it's that that lot down the road, but realistically, and and Shirley, as always, she's got a saying for virtually everything, and this is her saying. So, we've got champagne taste, but shandy money. Yeah, we we have in the past lived it up in the Ritz and and the Savoy, and we've done the afternoon tea with the champagne and the, and the lovely sandwiches. But we can't afford that at the moment. We are not the same. We're trying to build back to that 100%. And this would have been a fantastic shot in the arm, Sophie, wouldn't it, for everybody concerned? Yeah. But we, just, really... couldn't, but we just couldn't get over the line. And the fact it was that lot as well makes it even more painful. But you know yeah. what? Sometimes you, you look at the here and now, but the future... Our future is a lot brighter than theirs. That's what I look at. I look at the, the players we have who are coming through, who are gaining these experiences now. It's really important for our players to maybe to get a bit of hurt now, so because we don't want the hurt further along the line. I'd rather them feel the hurt now than when they move on down the line. And they be, start to be really established players, you know? So, again, a bit like what happened George Graham's second season, losing to Luton. You know, I know it's not a cup final, but it's still a bit of pain. Hopefully, they use that pain for the right reasons and we can get stronger. Yeah. Lone Star, I've been using this. So, I had to come off social media yesterday because... Between my um, family, who are Spurs fans, and my friends, um, I, I also went on the preemptive defensive. Before anyone came at me, I just threw it out there, Kev. You know, your trophy is finishing above us. You know, I'm we're busy polishing our trophies this week. Get back to me when you've actually won something. So, of course, I invited it, um, but I'd rather invite it than them come at me. And this is exactly what I said to them, Lone Star. I'll see you in the Europa League. 
And, you know, <laughs> it, it, that's just how my weekend went. Well, my Sunday afternoon, um, Kev, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, at the end of the day, you know, I don't see Spurs winning it. Do you? I don't. They're, they're, no. not, they're not perennial winners. It's great. It's great for them that they get in and it'll, it'll add some money. But who's to say there won't be changes there? Because you, you can't guarantee anything. What did I send you this morning, Kev? My first thing when I woke up, it was the silver lining to a Monday morning where I woke up thinking, damn, man, if only, if only this, if only Everton, if only Man United, if only Brighton, Southampton, if only we didn't concede that late goal against Manchester City, that point would have made a difference as well. If only, if only, if only. And then I saw the, uh, the Conte press conference and I sent it to you and I was like, aye, aye. You and I have been talking off camera a lot about is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Is he going to be lured by PSG? You know, they want the Champions League so bad. He wants the Champions League so bad. And he loves to spend money, Kev. So who knows? He loves to spend money and he's got some wonderful players. Mbappe's just signed his new deal. You know, realistically, if you weigh up both, PSG are a lot closer than Spurs. Yeah. So, you know, you've 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 got some wonderful players there. So it, it listen, he might be lured. He might be lured to PSG. It wouldn't surprise myself. Yeah. Because he's a I hired mean, gun right now, isn't he? He's a hired he gun. Is. He signed 18 months for a reason. Let's be honest, you only sign 18 months for a reason if you're gonna prove your credentials again. And he's proved it. And PSG, hey, who knows? They might pull the trigger and say, look, you got an open checkbook. Come. Come and win us the Champions League. Danny D, loves the, Danny D loves the Arsenal channels a lot more than the Spurs channels, it seems. And they've agreed to give him the money. I haven't seen that, by the way. Um, and yeah, yeah, but what give... money? Not yeah, pocket exactly. money, Danny. Not pocket money, mate. Not milk money, right? <laughs> Not let's go get a kebab money. Yeah, none of that. <laughs> Camden uh, Palace money, no. No, no, no. Um, right, let's get stuck into a little bit of the Arsenal and then we'll top it off with the Premier League as well. Kev, for a minute, it looked like City were going to choke again. I mean, this is, I'm not ashamed to say, this is where I get really envious, these moments. Being in as much as I thought, wow, if I was a gooner right now and we were going through this, I couldn't take it, right? You, it's just your heart goes everywhere. But for your team to be in that moment, Liverpool and Manchester City, I mean, they've just been incredible these last few seasons and that was quite an exciting finish, wasn't it, in the end? Aston Villa and Steven Gerrard made it very, very interesting. <laughs> well, and, and Wolves made it interesting, so. Yeah, credit Wolves to them, Kev. The you know, both of the teams going behind, Liverpool 1 and City 2, and you just think, I said it, I, I was up in the stand, I said, both of them are going to come back. It's just the way, that's the way they're built, Sophie. They're built to win. And you see them, Liverpool, you know Liverpool, as soon as they equalise, you know they're going to win. And then as soon as City get one goal back, <laughs> you know, here it comes. And that's what champions do, Sophie. We've seen it. We've had, we've been blessed enough to have teams like that, you know. 
to see our teams. And sometimes our teams never got in that position because they were so far ahead. But these teams, you know, they've, they've been they've been sensational. Yeah. And and that's why I think fans have every right to feel hurt. You know, no one we agree on this show and I don't even have to asterisk it by saying don't ever be abusive in your criticism or in your opinions and thoughts. But if you hurt and you're in pain, it's okay because we've been there. We've worn the T-shirt. We drank from the mug. You know, we've worn the socks. And so it's hard. And, and we've lauded it, so. Yes. As yes. the best. When you're the best, you can lord it, can't you? The you bragging rights it. are something else, aren't they? You know. Bra bragging rights are something else. But when you're the best, that's a whole new level. You're right, Kev, because there's a difference. One of the things I was arguing with my, and by the way, someone said the fact that you guys are talking about Tottenham says a lot. It's like we're talking about everyone and you're our rivals and you're you're actually tuned into an Arsenal channel. So that says a lot, just saying. Um, but there's bragging rights, Kev, and achieving. And then there's bragging rights like Tottenham and achieving nothing other than having the bragging rights that you finished above your rivals in the Premier League again. I'd take our four FA Cups in our darkest times and our darkest hours and our darkest days from 2014-15 onwards than have their, have their moment. That's, that's my honest truth. You, you Sophie, can finish I'll, I'll only one above Sophie, us. They'd trade us one FA Cup. Yeah, they would. They would trade yeah. us one FA Cup, let alone four. As would Everton, as would... You know, all these other clubs. Big time. You know, Big look time. at Liverpool. They were desperate to win the FA Cup. They wanted Klopp to win domestic trophies and because he hadn't really closed the deal on the domestic side. And in order for him to really kind of be encapsulated as this super legend was to have a little bit more of that dominance on the domestic scene as well, wasn't it, Kev? He wins the League Cup, wins the FA Cup. Uh, and these these things matter. They matter to managers like Klopp and they matter to managers like Pep Guardiola, especially. Klopp had poo-pooed um, those competitions a little bit. And this season, he took them a little bit more seriously. And look what happened. Yeah, I, I think that I think for fans as well, Sophie, I know certain fans don't not interested because the Champions League, absolute nonsense. Winning trophies is what it's all about. That's what it's all about getting silverware on the sideboard, getting the polish out, and you're, you're proud of your team winning at Wembley. It, it, it means a lot. It really does. And listen, you see Liverpool taking everything serious. They're playing every game they could have played in, they will play in this season. And, you know, they come up a little bit short in the league. But they've won two cups and they're going for the Champions League. So, you know, what, what a season they're having. Yeah. They really are. It's amazing to see. And that's the aspiration. That's what we need to be um, going after again and seeing a team like Liverpool, who hadn't won the league in 30 years, who had definitely had success in Europe after a while. But look at Manchester United right now, kind of in football obscurity, going through a mega change and an evolution. Again, another club that has been legendary, having to rediscover their DNA and their profile. Um, I just don't, I sent you an article today, Kev, um, that was written by a journalist in Denver regarding the Nuggets and, you know, the Cronkies and them not closing the deal when they had a good manager in, I think it was George, 
Carl, was it Carl? George Carl. Mm-hmm. Um, having a few star players, didn't capitalize on that, decided to penny pinch instead. Um, when I read it, I shared it with you and I shared it with a few other people too, because as I was reading it, I was like, wow, okay, I've read this story before. Does that concern you at all with us in the summer, Kev, that what I sent to you? No, it don't. It don't. Listen, they, the way pro sports, especially basketball, works, you work into you work into a certain budget, aren't you? Every team has a budget. And they've had the star players. And you're expecting the star players to get the team over the line with the coach. That's what you're doing. It's not... Arsenal haven't really been in that position. We, we, they're, that's the position we want to be in, So We want to be in the position where we've got all the tools. If we've got all the tools, then fair enough. But we haven't got all the tools. But we need to acquire the tools. So I think that's where we're coming to. This summer's key because we need a lot more tools than we have. We're... we're we're very light on tools, on players that we need. And we need we need to get busy. And we need to get busy early, so. We do. And uh, I understand um, the NBA has salary cap budgets, but they've made fundamental issue, fundamental decisions that have actually made the Nuggets take step back, Matt. And here's the scoop. Their director of operations, the guy who t- makes the tick team, brings in the players, makes the draft decisions together with the coach. He's being interviewed by, I think, the Timberwolves today. They're about to lose one of the best executives in the league who has helped keep this whole thing together. And the point of the article was that the Cronkies don't seem to care about it. The proof will be in the September 2nd pudding, not because it's my birthday, but because it will be the end of the summer transfer window, Super Kev. Mm -hmm. And let's see if they double down on what they've promised, what they've said. Adu said, we start off with youth, then we will build around them with world-class players. Of course, not having Champions League football hinders that a little bit. We have signed players previously. When we've had Europa League football, I think the game has changed a little bit fiscally um, in that regard. But you would hope that there is a bit of a step up to a Ben White, even a Tomiyasu, even a Ramsdale, Kev. You know, I would love to see Gabriel Jesus come to the Arsenal. Look who came. Do you remember we had this conversation and a couple of fans poo-pooed the idea of Gundogan coming to the Arsenal? Who saved City yesterday? The croc, the old 31-year-old. Don't be snobby, people. Don't be snobby. But we, listen, Arsenal, where we are, because we got, we've got got champagne taste and shandy money, we can't afford to be snobby. Saying we don't want to drink shandy, we want to drink champagne. No, what we've got to do is bring in the players who's going to help us get to the champagne money. That's what we've got to do. And we've got to be smart about it. And you know what? Some might not work out as well, Solf. We've seen that happen before. But if we don't take the chance, we're not going to know. Yeah. Um, I just have to put this up a minute. King Arthur, put your sword down. Our opinions being censored on this channel. So if not cool. Do you realize this is probably the only Arsenal channel that doesn't have super chats and we try and get as many comments on here as possible from everybody so maybe explain yourself as to why you think censored, um, yeah. 
they're being censored. We have almost 400 people in live chat on this fine Monday. And, you know, we like to moderate our own show because we want and value the opinions of our listeners. And so, you know, if you're going to say something like that, just uh, help us understand the context of why you are saying it. If there's a message you've put up that we've missed, um, those things do happen. So right. I've got to say, it was great to see Guna Ross in the tolly with Dapper Dan and Magic. It was really I lo- good. I love, I love those guys. And Guna Ross is, um, is hilarious. He's probably asking Jen for a cup of tea right now while he uh, listens to the show. Uh, <laughs> he's a top shelf. He's a top shelf human, isn't he, Kev? He is. He's top class. And you know what? He started the rendition of Super Super Kevin the Tolly. Did he? <laughs> he did, I love yeah. it. Which was nice of him, but yeah, it was a quality, mate. Quality. Okay, kids, let's get um, let's get to some fun stuff, shall we? By the way, before um, I get stuck into because we want Super Kev's accolades, uh, and everyone has to get stuck into this. Okay, all four hundred of you in live chat. Chief like officers out there, Kev, tell them what you would like this evening, by the way, before I, I proceed here with the events of the evening. Listen, we, I want to run on 55% likes. Ooh. Upping the stakes. 55% likes. So that's 55 out of every 100. That's what we need. All right, so, perfect. Come on, guys. Okay, let's get stuck into this, shall we, you guys? Um, There's lots to be proud of this season and there's lots to be a bit bummed about. So why don't we just um, get stuck into it? So many people wrote to me, by the way, Kev, that they ran into you yesterday and they were sending me pictures and stuff like that. We'll share a bunch of them on another show. I do want to do, and we will be doing later on this week, a fan review show of the season. So if you would like to be part of our fan review show because your voices matter. Your voices are what fuel the Highbury squad. Please email us at thehighburysquad at gmail.com, thehighburysquad at gmail.com. If you want to participate, it will be at the usual time, eight o'clock, probably on Wednesday or Thursday. So if you want to be part of that, then please do hit us up via email. All right, Kev, let's get stuck into it. Let's start off with a couple of simple ones. Who for you, by the way, sorry, Gunnerballs, James, has very kindly allowed us to use his wonderful art um, for today's shows, Kev. He's really super talented. I love his stuff. And he's really super cool. You know, go to um, Twitter and follow Gunnerballs with a Z and you'll see all of his amazing work. And um, he's very kindly allowed us to use some of his art for thumbnails this season. And we're very, very grateful for that. Um, so, Kev, let's get stuck into it. Who has been your signing of the season? This is the Arsenal first. We will then do a very quick one on the Premier League at the end. Best signing of the season. Of this season, yeah. Well, you know what? I'm going to go with Ramsdale on this one. But that don't necessarily mean he's the best player. Do you understand what I mean? No, this is the best signing. Yeah, I think we needed that character and attitude at the back. And I think he's been a breath of fresh air. He's had his moments, Sophie, 
let's have it right. He's made his mistakes as well, but I think overall, I think he's been the best signing for Arsenal. Super, Super Kev, I'm going to agree with you. I, there's a few in the chat that are going for Udegaard. Yeah. Um, lots of Spurs fans here tonight. Uh, clearly, I love it. And Leicester fans, and there's a Man United, a few Man United fans in the house. Um, a lot of people. Oh, they've had enough Man of their clubs, haven't they? they yeah, come of course. Over here. Yeah, they're getting more. We've got a lot for Tommy Yasu as well, Kev. Um, yeah, and... I just think the uh, for me, I just think the injury in key moments probably dulled it down because I thought he was having a fantastic season. So, I really yeah, he did. was. He was. Um, so for me, I'm also going for Ramsdale. For me. I'll mention it later, but this moment, which, by the way, James captured in his art that we are using on the show today, was just so iconic, you know. And the bravado that he bought, I know he kind of fell off a little bit towards the end of the season, Kev wasn't. But I think also there was a big difference when Tommy was in the team at the back with him too. Yeah. And Tierney. And, and, and here's the thing you see, Solf. It's not just him who fell off. We fell off a bit, you know, as a team. Even when we're winning games, Solf, we weren't winning them convincingly. We were just getting over the line and stuff like that. So, you know, we, we didn't finish as strong as we could for whatever reason. But Ramsdale made a real big difference at the back, Solf. He, he did. And, you know, he's not more experienced than Leno, but he made a bigger impact than Leno at the back there. So yeah, I think I think Ramsdale gets that best signing. And here's what I love: uh, Double T back in the house, Terence. He was the catalyst on the pitch for helping evolve our player bravado. Now maybe he got a little bit too cocky towards the end of the season, Kev. Perhaps, but when we needed it the most, when people were poo-pooing the summer transfers, when we went through that period of the three games, no points, all of that jazz, he really was the shithousery you and I have wanted to see in this team for a long, long time. The banter with the away fans, the giving it some, I didn't mind seeing that at all because people have criticized us for not having that in our squad for so long. So for me, um, I think that's. I think he brought that element to the table as well, which was really important. Yeah, very important. Very okay. Good. All right, then. So we are both in agreement on our best signing. Who was the most improved player for you this season, Super Kev? I think and this one's easy. I think this one's easy. I think um, Emil Smith-Rowe. ESR, mm. remember, he got the number 10 shirt. A lot of people weren't sure whether he would do the business. But I know at times he didn't start games, but he made an impact a lot of the times he was on the pitch. Hit double figures in goals as well, Sophie. You heard us mention that kind of near the start of the season. You know, if, if we're going to rely on these boys, they're going to have to hit double figures. And Smith Rowe, he produced, Soph. You know, he produced. I thought he was our most improved player, especially with the goals. Okay, so we differ on this one a little bit. And Lone Star says ESR, lots of um, ESR um, for JJ as well, name blocked. Um, he's got a few votes. Martinelli for Mark. Um, 
<laughs> I might do DS. Hold on. Martinelli again here. I'm going to go with GD. And I'm going to go with Stephen F. I think Xhaka was our most improved player this season. After the adversity at the beginning of the season, Kev, when we had such a young team and we really needed experience, when Thomas Partey was injured, um, I'm not saying he's brilliant. I'm not saying he's the best. But in a time where you really needed certain players to step up, Laka stepped up but then just dipped. Xhaka mm. stepped up and was kind of like this for us this season. And I think we really needed that. So, Xhaka for me. Mm. Fair. That's fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Um, who for you has been the most underrated player of the season? This one's easy. Martin Odegaard. Mm. Martin Odegaard's the most underrated. Remember, people are people poo-pooing the price we paid for himself and we stole him. But I think this season you... A lot of people started to realise just what a real good, not only player, but technician this this young man is. And ended up ended up captain in the team, which he's captain of his he's captain of his country. And um, you know, he's done a good job captaining Arsenal, although we kind of fell away at the end. I still think he's still so underrated. And that's without really having a a, a, a proper striker to play with. I think the moment we get that, so we're going to be in business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so the most underrated for me, uh, I'm going to go here too. Even though he's been lauded, I think, is he underrated? I think maybe, I don't know if it's underappreciated. I think we love him, but the importance of Gabriel in this team has been so valuable. And I think Ben White plays a lot better when, Gabriel's by his side. I think we've seen the difference of what happens at the back when either Ben White or Gabriel are not playing. I would maybe even add Ben White into this. I think that maybe for Ben White, it's underappreciation versus underrated, Kev. We saw what happened in the games. Holding played very well for a couple of games. But again, these, these fringe players, they can only come in for, what, two, three games and eventually they can't hold. Cedric as well is one that I think deserves some credit, even though, again, in the last couple of games, he, he, you could see he ran out of the adrenaline, he ran out of the mojo. But my goodness, when Tommy Yasu went down, Kev, we said, can he keep up these performances? And let's be honest, he's not the answer full time and he's not the answer long term. But Cedric came in and balled when we needed him to. I think he's underappreciated myself. Not underrated. I think he's underappreciated. I think Gabriel is rated very highly. So I think he is rated. Um, but obviously it was under underrated. And I think Martin Odegaard. Um, many people question, why didn't we go and get James Madison? You know, we got Odegaard in the building. And I think Odegaard showed, you know, what a really good player he is. Although James Madison had a good season for Leicester. He finished their top scorer. But Erdegaard has been real quality for us. Okay, 450 of you in live chat. Keep your comments coming. Lots of love for Enketia as well in terms of underrated. Um, <laughs> Matt throwing in Salaba. We'll see what happens with that. One day we'll know the outcome to that one. El Elneny, 
another. I think, obviously, with stepping in at the um, tail end of the season, JJ thinks that Cedric was robbed of man of the match yesterday. He did great. Matt thinks scored Pepe... a great goal as well. Yep, yep. Um, you know, so there's a there's a lot of differing of views and opinions. Right here, we go with the next one. So we did the most underrated. This is one I'm sure you all like because everyone likes a little bit of Simon Cow in them. Kev, who is or who do you feel was the most overrated? I think Nuno Tavares, especially after he came in earlier on in the season. After he came in earlier on in the season, everybody was talking about maybe we should sell Tierney and, you know, look at Nuno. And then as the season progresses and Nuno was coming back to, to play games, you see the imperfections in his game. You saw it was was very difficult. And, um, you know, listen, he, I thought he'd done pretty well at times, but he still has his moments defensively. He leaves a lot to be desired, and I think he's a little bit overrated. Um, he needs to he needs to get a good rest in the summer and buckle buckle down in preseason. He he needs to improve self. Yeah, I hear you. So Nuno is Kev's most overrated, and he certainly has a lot to learn. Um, I'm going to pick someone who I've defended to the hilt. And I've stood by for a very, very long time. But my goodness, what happened to Lacazette in the last bit of the season? Um, is overrated the right word here where he's concerned? I think in this instance, perhaps if Eddie had come in a little bit earlier, let's face it, Eddie was a player that none of us really felt could come in and do the job. Um, you know, we've been crying out for a striker. Aubameyang certainly wasn't doing it. But had Eddie come in and given us a few more goals in some of those games where Lacazette started to struggle and Arteta kept faith with him, Kev, what what could have been? Um, and some of it has got to do as well with, you know, perhaps him wanting to move on. Was he as engaged? We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But, yeah. He Lacazette ran out of juice. He yeah. ran out of juice. Lacazette ran out of juice. That happens is... is it's hard what being a striker carrying that line. It's hard. It's hard on the body, and he's not a young. He's not a young. Not a spring chicken. You know, needs Kev, more help. A, Kev, I'll let you address this one. Um, a little bit of uh, Josh from uh, the tactical squad having a Ferrari in the garage, but if there's no wheels, you can't drive it. A few like Rich, who's an OG here, um, and there's a few that have put in Thomas Partey. What's your take on that? I've got nothing to say. That's their opinion. But I could tell you this much. If he's in our team, are we better? Yes or no? I think we found that out pretty quickly, didn't we? Well, exactly. So how could he be overrated if he makes us better? Doesn't That don't make sense. There's a but, lot of overrated comments for Ben White as well, Kev, um, which doesn't surprise me. Um, I, I, I think Ben White and Gabriel formed a good partnership. Again, Sophie, a lot of people are going to say this stuff. But when you actually look at the numbers and look at what we've done, you know, the partnerships, it's about partnerships all over the pitch. Ben White and Gabriel have been pretty good this season. They've had their moments like anybody else. But I think they've been pretty good. Yeah. 
Okie doke. Um, keep them coming in thick and fast. 450 of you in live chat. The chat is on fire and it's moving really quickly. Holdings hair implants are overrated. Actually, they're not, Mark. They're so solid. Those, those could be some of the best implants I've ever seen. Okay. Um, we are going to go to, let's see which one next. Kev, who for you is the unsung hero this season? I think Tommy Arsu. I think mm. Tommy Arsu has been an unsung hero. Didn't really know much about himself, if if I'm honest with you. You know, started to do some research on him, etc. It was like, okay, let's see what we got. So he really impressed me. No nonsense. Obviously, doesn't say nothing, but his performances and his toughness on that right hand side. You know, after the right backs we've had messing around there. All of a sudden, we had somebody who can defend. Makes mm. such a difference, doesn't it? And then, you know, we started to add a bit more to his game going forward. So I think Tommy Arsu is an unsung hero. So I, I think there's categories where Tommy Arsu could have had a shout, didn't get a shout, but I've got to get him in somewhere. So because I love him, I think he's great. So yeah, I think he's an unsung hero. Okay, so lots for Tommy and lots for El Nenny. And I think that is coming, you know, because it's all fresh in our minds right now. And let's be honest, when when Sambi was kind of set up to fail, I think Arteta learned from that and he went with El Nenny. Um, my unsung hero is a little bit different, Kev. And I may uh, add a plural to that. My unsung heroes this season have been... Is it hero or heroes, though, So Come on. Okay. Then fine, I'll I'll I save that still, one for later. I know I'm still gonna get two. I know I am. <laughs> I'll save that one for later. Then I will agree with you on Tommy Yasu. Um, what could have been if he was fit? What could have been if Thomas Partey was fit? What could have been if Kieran Tierney was fit? What could have been even if Ben White was fit for the two games that he missed and he came into a game we know he just didn't look right, did he? Um, El Nenny as well coming in the way he did. What I like about this squad is there is a lot of unselfishness. It's gone from being a narcissistic, apathetic team to more of a group of players who play for each other. And we've seen what Manchester United have experienced this season, Kev, where they're playing as individuals versus playing as a team. So, you know, for me, I think um, Tommy is, is, a, is a great shout as well. All right, um, let's go to Arsenal's best young player of the season. Yeah, I. this was a toss-up for me between Ramsdale and ESR. And um, I don't know, I think Ramsdale can still get in, I, I believe. Or can he solve? If he can't, it makes it ESR. Um, I was going to go for Ramsdale because of what he'd done. The way he came in, you know, he came in with with people already having a go at him. And he's made the position his own. He's been a big character. Um, I loved what ESR's done, um, scoring double figures. But, you know, a lot of the time, Ramsdale started. And um, I think young player would be Ramsdale. Interesting. I thought you were going to pick Saka. Well, you fought wrong, didn't you? Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, for me, 
even though he's been off the boil the last few games of the season, he was up for Premier League young player, missed out to Phil Foden, of course. He just improved season on season. I think we need to be careful about over-relying on him. Um, hopefully we'll address that in the summer. But Saka, for me, is the best young player of this side. And what I love, Kev, is after missing a major penalty for England in the Euros, being abused, he showed a lot of character and strength and depth. It shows you not only how he's kind of been built through Haylen, but the type of family that he has too. Mm. And to see him then start taking penalties and exercise those demons for a young player, those things can destroy a character and a soul of confidence, Kev. And oh. so for me, you know, Saka needs, I would love for him to take an, I would love for Saka to not come on the summer tour. I'd like for him to just take the whole time off. But obviously, he's too valuable from a marketing perspective, Kev. Um, but I would love to see him just be out until the 1st of August. That's what yeah, I'd like get, to see. I get that. I get that. I get that. But when you're, when you're that young, Solf, you don't want to... You see, it's people like us who say we want to wrap him in cotton wool. He don't want the time off. He no, wants I to know. play and train and he wants to experience it all. And that's yeah. why, you know, I he's not he's not in the running for the young player for me. I know. Okay, hold that thought. We're gonna that's we're gonna save him that one to the end. Um, okay, how about your best goal of the season? I go for the goal against Man City. Saka's oh. goal against Man City. Because beauty. of the moment, it really was, you know, us against Man City, you know, and the way we played and the way we took the game to them and that goal that Saka stroked in, I thought it was a great move. Martinelli was flying, you know, etc. And the ball comes across and Saka strokes it in the corner. Great moment for us. I, I like the goal at Watford, his goal and Martinelli's goal as well. But I just think that one was... A real big moment for 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 Saka. Look at him; he's a he's a dream, so the boy. I know he really know. is a dream. I know. I just love him. I want to be his mom, um, Kev. <laughs> so for me, it was either the City goal, the Martinelli goal against Southampton. But people are going to be surprised. The name blocked. Don't come at me. It's not because I want him to stay or anything. But Xhaka's goal against United. The moment, the occasion, them, the crowd, I was there. It just was a vintage Arsenal coming together. I felt like this is it. We are going to qualify for the Champions League. It was a little bit like, and I was there for the Welbeck goal against Leicester City. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. You, you think know, that that's the tide turning, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we've got a lot for, we've got uh, Patino's <laughs> under 23. Okay. Martinelli's volley finishing Tommy Arsu's cross. Jacka boom, the Udegaard free kick. Udegaard screamer. We've got Jacka's goal. We've got Martinelli versus Newcastle from the Tommy lob. We've got Jacka bullet again here. Uh, Saka pen. That was a big moment. That was beautiful. That really Huge was. Moment. Yeah. But Martinelli, we got Xhaka, we got Gabby against Newcastle again. Xhaka, Cedric Screamer uh, with his wrong foot on Sunday, the Southampton goal. Xhaka, Xhaka, Martinelli. 
Martinelli, Lacazette against Southampton, Xhaka goal, Southampton goal, um, ESR against Chelsea, Martinelli, um, Martinelli again. And yeah, interesting stuff there on the goal of the season. It it was. It was a really good goal, Demsek. It really was. Okay, Kev, this one might be easy. Um, it is. I could tell you now. You don't okay. need to say it. You want to just say it? Ramsdale against <laughs> Leicester. This is it. He's, you know, save. you know what, Kev, the double save against Tottenham at the Emirates, where we won three-one, was also quite sensational in terms yeah. of his saves this season. And he's he's made. This is why I think he's even. I know he's fallen off a little bit, guys, but what he's done for the team, um, and this has been immortalized uh, as I showed you at the beginning of the show by uh, Gunner Balls. That was an unbelievable hello, Arsenal Football Club. Hello, Arsenal fans. It was a great save. It was brilliant. That was he was he played out of his mind that day. Saved well, us. It was it was sensational save, Solf. It really was. And you know, they say the goalkeeper can can save you what 15 points a season. You know, who's to say if that goes in, what happens in that game? Because that exactly. would make it one one. And exactly. we're we're away at their place, so you know. Yeah, an an honorary mention for Leno against Aston Villa late on for sure, and you know definitely, definitely the double save against Spurs. That was that was monumental because Spurs had all the momentum in that second half, Kev. Yeah, you know? they did, they did, they did. Okay. Um. All right, before we get to best player, so we've done best young player, underrated, overrated, improved, unsung hero, best signing, goal and save. Kev, what for you was the best moment of the season? Beating Spurs. Especially after. Hold on, they're coming for me, hold on. (laughs) Right. Especially after, Solf, our first three games of the season. You know, the first three games, we've got no points. It, do you remember what it was like on these pods for us two? It was a it was a constant battle. We were dragging ourselves up. There was all sorts going on in dissension in the chat. Then we, we beat Norwich. We won another game and then we played Spurs. And we're saying, these are the three games where it's going to determine whether Mikel Arteta stays at the club. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. And they... They produced an incredible performance. So beating Spurs was was the best moment of the season, to be honest, for yeah. me. Um, for me, the best moment of the season, you know, I'm not one for wanting to merit losses. But for me, and again, maybe it's the hope that kills you and you get too excited. And in the end, being a young team really came, came back to bite us in the arse and... The performance against Manchester City was one of the best moments. To actually see our team play that way against the top sides. And I'll dovetail that with the Liverpool performance with 10 men at Anfield. Those were coming-of-age performances. And if we just had a few more experienced players, Kev, in this squad to help push us over the edge, I think we could have built on those performances just a tad more. 
but we kept relying on the young Paul and in the end there was a drought. You keep going, you keep going to the well and you know it's going to dry up at some stage when you're young. Yeah. And 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 it was one of those most injustice kind of how is it we've lost this game? You know, when are we going to overcome that hump where we play a game like this and we end up losing it, you know? So hopefully when Arteta's going through the season with the players, um, you know, those are the things that he'll point to, that the things that we can build on. And agree with you, MK, and a whole bunch of you, the banter of beating Chelsea. Chelsea was, <laughs> Chelsea, Chelsea was, was a fantastic, <laughs> was a fantastic moment as well. Yeah. Okay, this one might be a little bit more obvious, you guys, but I'm not talking about what happened at the end of the season here. Was there a moment in the season that was very disappointing for you, Kev? Yeah, there was a few, I think. There was a few, you know, not... not was, we, we didn't win a game in January, did we? Was it January where we... January we, we, was bad. We got kicked out of the League Cup. We struggled. We struggled, we struggled. big time. We lost we really struggled. on the trot, I think it was. We, um, I think that month we struggled big time. We, we weren't ourselves. It was Africa Cup of Nations and all that kind of We didn't sign anyone. Exactly. I think that was a disappointment at the time. Of course it was because you just, you just want to keep ticking over. You want to keep picking up points. But I've got to say, so when the lights were at the brightest, Spurs and Newcastle. That moment, that's the most disappointing. And I understand it because maybe we're just not quite right. We're not good enough and we're not quite ready yet. But still a disappointment for us and for me because I so wanted that Champions League. So I really did. AFC Max agrees with you there, Kev. Um, lots of Everton loss coming. Lots of Everton loss. Um, for me, again... Uh, a moment where we turn the page against a particular team, the most disappointing moment for me felt like, you know, okay, Everton, away you could lose. It's the manner in which we lost. Crystal Palace against Vieira, he could do one on us. I accepted that. Didn't accept Brighton, of course, and Southampton coming, you know, after those. Newcastle away was just horrific. The North London derby, oh, especially being stuck in a pub in Cyprus with, you know, Tottenham fans, just awful. Um, but Manchester United at Old Trafford, Kev, that was another one of those matches where we had them on the hook. We dominated that first half. And I think there's been instances this season where we could have gone in for the kill and we played it a little bit too safe and showed way too much respect to that Manchester United team, Kev. And uh, that was so disappointing that we walked away losing that match. But weren't they weren't that close? The Man United game and Everton game were close, weren't they? They were. They were uh, one they after were the other. Back, I think. One after yeah. the other. And and that just goes to show how this team, you know, the, the maturity of the team wasn't quite there then. Because Arsenal had both of them. Arsenal had Man United and Everton. But they played too passive. They played too passive. And, and, do you remember, me and you came on a podcast after the Everton game. And I said to you, because I was pitch side, and I was watching Mikel Arteta, and he was going crazy to try and get them up the pitch. Because what they were doing was conceding too much room 
and space to the opposition self. And the same thing happened against Manchester United. The same thing happened, and we ended up getting beat 3-2 in both games. Sorry, 2-1 or 3-1, 3-2 against United. We end up losing both games. Yeah. And there's moments, this is where, even though our young players have shown maturity, I've said it a lot on the show, haven't I, Kev? We still have naivety, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the first three games of the season, I don't think we point to because that wasn't even when the squad was formed. You know, you, you can point to that if we just started off better, fine. But as the team evolved and stuck together and grew together, there were just some moments where you look back on and you just think, I was talking to a Liverpool fan the other day and they said, look, we came back with what, 11 points behind City, we gave it a good go. And I said to them, if you'd beaten Tottenham and we'd gotten a point against them at the North London Derby, we'd both be happy today. So sometimes you can pick one game, but a season is made of many moments, isn't it, really? Yeah. Um, yeah. It and is. they can all come back to haunt you. Right. All right, Kev, we'll finish with this one for the Arsenal and then we'll do a little bit of the Premier League. Best player of the season. 505 of you in live chat. Chief Like Officer, tell us what we've got. Kev wants to know. Um, who is your best player of the season? Get your get your um, comments in now. Super Kevin Campbell, what say you? I am totally biased, obviously to the Hayland. And I think after what Saka went through in the summer, we said this is going to be a big season to see how he responds. I thought Bakayo Saka was absolutely brilliant. Obviously have his moments, exactly. People telling, telling me he's, he's knackered at Christmas. No, he wasn't. And to see what other t opposition teams were trying to do to stop him. And there was that, that photograph against Manchester City in the second half. Oh, I love that picture. Where Saka's got the ball and he's surrounded by, I think it was about five Manchester City players. That, to me, tells me that oh, I'm giving it to... It, it was a it was a tight one between him and Erdegaard, right? But I'm giving it to Saka because Saka has hit double figures in goals as well. So I think he's our top goal scorer. Yeah. Saka. So we 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 did say, do you remember last season we said Saka's got to add goals to his game? You know, yep. he's got to finish these chances off. Is it double figures now? So we're, we're going to expect that for Saka now. And you know what? Whether we like or not, he's improved. You know, from that England-European uh, finalist, he's been the second most consistent player. You see, everybody else kind of has fallen off. Phil Foden has been in and out. Obviously, he's playing for City, so obviously he gets young player or whatever. Still a wonderful player. But I think playing regularly and consistently... Saka's been number two out of yeah. that England squad. Number one, I think you know who I think has been number one. Declan Rice at West Ham, I think he's been incredible this season. But I think Saka's been number two. And maybe it's just me coming through the ranks at Arsenal as well, Sophie. You know, I'm that. giving, I'm going to give it to Saka because I think that young man 
really deserves it because you know what when the flag is flying and people are against you and you, you're, you're getting hate it is so hard to keep your confidence and keep your game together and he has improved he's improved he's hit double figures and he's still been a threat so i give it to sakasov and like you there's a moment where you had a moment with your teammates for england as well yeah and uh yeah you know what that is like for sure kev i i really toyed with the idea um like you of picking this fella but i just don't see how you can't pick this young man i really don't um you know the goal ratio like you said getting into double digits puts the team on his shoulders um for a lot of the of, uh, a lot of the season everything that's been asked of him let's hope that you know i think